This is the Bushwick Variety Show. And I'm Alec the Third. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types, superheroes, and those seeking to become. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features Kim Exum. Kim is a fellow theater of uh, Virginia Commonwealth University BFA alumni. Um, That's where I went. We were there around the same time. I was a few years ahead of her. Um, And we both found ourselves in the great city of New York pursuing acting and art. And Kim uh, is currently, or I don't know how to put this, but was currently, um, at the time of COVID, currently starring in the Book of Mormon on Broadway. And um, as of now, or as of the time of recording, um, is still contracted with the Book of Mormon. Um, It's a really interesting time. Like a lot of shows have closed down, um, the newer ones. Book of Mormon, Hamilton, Lion King, these like these ones that have been running for a while are going to be going. Um, so, yeah. So as it stands, Kim will be back and you can catch her when that opens up. But I also wanted to talk to her because I was really excited during COVID, the different innovative things that have happened creatively. Um, one of them was created by Broadway Black Off Book. They have a podcast called Off Book. And they put together something called the Antonio Awards, which was basically um, an award ceremony created and done on Zoom, through Zoom, to celebrate black actors and theater makers, particularly in New York, um, but just, you know, in the industry, a chance for us to, like, recognize ourselves and I'll put the link to the YouTube. Um, you could you could watch it on YouTube. It was phenomenal, and the production value was super entertaining. So I think think you'll really enjoy seeing it. It's worth a watch. It's just really cool. Shows what you could do. Um, really, we're only limited by the scope of our own vision. So I was really excited to talk to Kim, catch up. We didn't know each other real well in college, um, but we knew of each other. And yeah, so it was really cool to have a conversation, see how we're doing now. And we got kind of deep. We talked about all kinds of issues. We talked about um, race and theater and uh, just, you know, perseverance and pursuing your path and, and being open to other possibilities. It was a really cool conversation I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, Also, her daughter Ezra joined us for a little while. Uh, She's adorable. So look forward to that. And yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed having it. I also want to keep it transparent and 100 with everybody. Uh, I messed up and was not recording um, at first. And so I had a false start and then we started having this conversation, but it was what it meant to be. I think we had a great conversation. Um, Goes to show you sometimes you plan something and the universe has other plans and you adjust, but sometimes those other plans are better than the original. So who knows what the, you know, who knows, maybe the original. Basically what I'm saying is it is what it is. Um, Roll with the punches, keep moving forward. 
enjoy this conversation. Um, I, I think it was really cool. So this is Kim Exum. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And anyway, we're going to start this again. We're just going to start here. Okay. Um, all right. There we go. That's technical fucking shit. Um, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. That's... I hit record before you came in uh-huh. the room, um, but I guess it did not keep recording when you came in. Oh, so here we go. So I'm sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. Uh, but yeah. Um, so welcome again. Um, I was like <laughs> a false start. Uh, but yeah, I was just saying. So you were you were talking about you uh, started the Book of Mormon. Um, Basically, your first show was the day Donald Trump got elected in 2016. Um, And like a year before that, kind of, you were having like a moment, you were having like a moment of like, it was just a a difference a a year makes, basically. Uh, Could you talk about that a little bit? So before I started Mormon, like for a year, I mean, I worked as an actor, like I did some regional stuff. I did like a children's tour. Um, I did the New York Musical Theater Festival, um, you know, typical like New York gigs, mm-hmm. I guess. And then I, it, but I was mostly a server. I mostly waited tables. That's how I survived. Um, and I was cool with that for a while. And then uh, I was I worked at a sports bar and it was very loud and I ended up getting a polyp on one of my vocal cords. Mm. Um, and I knew something was wrong because by the end of my shift, I would always, my body would just want to shut up. It would just want to like, so I finally went to an ENT. They saw that there was a polyp there. I had to go through vocal therapy and it really depressed me. I was represented at the time and they were seemingly sympathetic about it but then dropped me because mm-hmm. I wasn't like I wasn't booking enough um, because like when an injury happens like that it really kind of puts a damper on your confidence you know you feel like you can't do what it is you're supposed to do so I kind of like quit for like a year I just stopped like they dropped me it was really depressing I felt really depressed and I just was a server I was just a person living in New York you know, and that was actually fun. Like, I'm glad that I had that experience of just being a regular person, non-actor, pretty much in New York, living my life. And then um, I auditioned, I was hit up by casting director and he was like, you should come in and audition for this cruise ship. I was completely anti, I didn't want to do ships, but I auditioned and I got it. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going. Cause it was the most money I'd ever been offered. So I went and then after I, that opportunity gave me means to like save money. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, I'm used to working. So I didn't like not work. I just went and started waiting tables again. And then fast forward, um, I had decided that like, I wanted to get back in the game and I had a goal. I was like, I'm gonna, before I get an agent, I'm gonna like get book three jobs. And, um, and I did. And then I went, I got myself an agent. Then the journey became more of 
it was a different, so I, w- I found myself like being really unhappy and depressed again. And it didn't really have anything to do with acting per se. Cause at that point, because I took that break, you know, because I like allowed myself to quit. Um, I knew that like, I allowed myself to quit, quit and then get back on the horse. I knew that acting was something I could accomplish and do. Um, maybe not in the capacity that, you know, maybe not Broadway, maybe not TV or major films, but it was something I wanted to do, period. And I think that taking that break kind of just let me know that, you know, like I want to be an actor and that's just what I'm going to do. And I found myself unhappy again. And it was main, it was because of serving. It was because of waiting tables. I was like, I think I've run it. It's run its course. I quit. And I decided, thank you. I decided that I was just going to be an actor and people were like, how are you going to do that? And I was like, I don't know. And that's pretty much what happened. (laughs) I quit my serving job. Um, got some, did a lot of commercials that summer. Um, did my first and only TV spot that I've ever done that summer. And what was that one? Oh my God. It's like really about to storm. Um, it's bull. I did bull like Bull's first season. And I, it was like a co-star gig. So under five, I actually ended up getting cut. That's like a running gag with me. I did a Sprite commercial <laughs> years ago, got cut, still got all the residuals though. So I'm like, whatever. But, um, but yeah, so I did that and then ended up booking a gig in like the Bay Area, a play. Mm-hmm. And I was also up for Book of Mormon. But m- my mentality was that Book of Mormon, they expressed interest, but they were so like, I don't know, they were being Book of Mormon. They were being like the big, you know, like, oh, you know, we'll just let her wait. And I was like, I don't care who y'all are. I don't care if it's, you know, you know, Universal, whatever, like Paramount. I I booked this play that I really want to do. So I'm about to go book this. I'm about to do this play. And then out of the woodwork, Book of Mormon was like, oh, this is when we want you. Because basically a Broadway show will say, or um, a big show will say, we have interest. And that could mean you have interest next year, next week, next month, who knows? Yeah. You know? Um, but anyway, I just rambled on. But yes, that's... No, no, no. <laughs> that's what happened. Nice. Um, and it's funny because... Uh, like the Antonio Awards, I saw that you were involved with that. Um, and that's super, I've been saying for years, like when people get mad about people getting snubbed at the Oscars, mm-hmm. the Tonys, at all of these awards, we do have our own, like we have like the NAACP award, like, but that's kind of celebrating the culture in general. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of been wanting and advocating for more of what, you did this year um which is yeah for like the specific things that you're in like if you feel like we're not being recognized then maybe like we have to recognize ourselves right Um, so how did how did you get involved with the antonio awards well it's it just started like i i'm friends with drew shade who Mm -hmm. um that's Broadway Black. And we were literally just on the phone laughing and joking about doing an award show. And he said a few years before 
a friend of his has suggested that he do one and, you know, call it the Antonio Awards, which we thought was hilarious. So it kind of started off as this idea of doing like a parody of the Anto- of the Tony Awards. And then... I just got... I was like, why is it Antonio? I get it now. Okay. I was yeah. late. For- <laughs> it was a, but, I mean, it's, it began as a parody. Like, that mm-hmm. was the thing. And Antonio, like a Black type of, you know, stereotypical thing is what we were going through. And then um, going forward. And then he was like, let's do this. And I was Mommy. like, all right, cool. I'll do Mommy. it. And he put together a team. And then before you knew it, we were up and running. And it became, as we were creating it, it's kind of like how it became what y'all saw, which was really cool. I mean, I had never been on like the, you know, the the cutting room floor or whatever. I'd never been in the creative process in that capacity. So it was cool to like, I mean, it was a lot of work. Like mm-hmm. looking up there, first off, there's so much black work. Now I knew this, I knew this, um, because when you're on Broadway, you kind of, you don't get to see much anymore really, unless it's other Broadway stuff um, mm. or off Broadway that has like matinee on a Wednesday, which is when we don't, we, we don't have a show that day, but because you're saturated with doing shows, you don't get to see much. So I do get to like read a lot of like what people post. And I'm like, there's a lot of black shit happening right now. Um, but to like, to, to go comb through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was intense, but it was very impressive. I was like, this is a very, it was a very black season outside of Broadway, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, it was really important to highlight work that's not on Broadway. Like we did highlight Broadway, but that's not all there is. And especially when we're talking about black work um, or work done by other people of color, most of that work isn't going to make it to Broadway, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, mainly because, you know, Broadway is racist and because it's a space thing. There's only but so much, you know, it's, it's the gatekeepers are looking for a certain thing. And a lot of our work doesn't necessarily fit that, you know, that outline of what they want. But yeah, it was cool to bring something like that to the people and to see the reaction of people, like people really getting it. Yeah. It was really dope. And was that idea, did that idea to actually do it, was that idea already in the works before COVID or did it kind of all happen like during COVID? All happened during COVID. Like, it, all of it happened during And then... That. Go ahead. No, no, Sorry. you go ahead. Oh, uh, well, the oh. next... Yeah, you go ahead. Sorry. This is the <laughs> problem was... This is the one thing I'll say about Zoom that I'm, I miss about being in person is you can't overlap. Ex- like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't do the normal. Yeah. Um, You're like... Uh, it, it, it. <laughs> but, yes, it all happened during COVID. And started happening before George Floyd. Okay. Um, so yeah. So we were making it anyway. And then George Floyd happened. We were making it anyway. It was gonna be on Juneteenth anyway. Um and then George Floyd happened and we were like shit. Like then the question kind of became of like damn like is anyone gonna watch this now? Because the world is literally on fire. There's so much other stuff going on. But 
we just persevered. It was like, by that time we were in too deep. We were like, we got to do this. And we had, you know, but, and I think the response of the community of us asking people to like volunteer their time and do what we were asking to do also kind of, it, it, it opened up because I think people were looking for an outlet to express some type of happiness or joy, you know, because we're experiencing this double loss in the community. Like there's a loss of our literal work and our, our profession and what we do. And this, just this loss of, you know, the loss of this, this man who's become a symbol for an entire movement and kind of being snapped back into reality that even during a pandemic, we're still worried about being killed, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. We're still being worried about being killed, not just from like, we're still worried about the normal stuff we're worried about being killed about. And yeah, now this like pandemic and disease. Um, it's also like the whole thing also was really dope because it was like a celebration of resilience. Um, so for you, how are you doing like during, during this time? How's your mind? How's your spirit right now? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, um, I feel weird. I feel, I feel a little lost. You know, I think working on the Antonios, it was definitely a great distraction. Um, it was a lot of work, um, but it was, it was, we were working towards a common goal and it was like having a job in a sense. So it kind of gave you, gave me purpose in that little sphere of time, but it was also difficult because I already have a job, which is being someone's mom. Mm -hmm. 24-7 and also adjust in adjusting to that because like I'm not a stay-at-home mom that's not my calling um I I love to work because it balances me out like as a mother um and as a person so it was really hard to kind of like lose that and then have to readjust to being like a full-time single mom in the house with your kid all the time and trying to find that balance and like to be candid, like that's kind of depressing, you know, um, having to make that adjustment and also not having, because when you do have a child, you don't have time to process, which is good and bad. You know, like I didn't really have time to mourn the fact that I didn't have my job anymore because I, I just literally didn't have the, the time. Things just had to, decisions had to be made. Um, and that's, I, I'm glad that I do have her because I think that I would be a lot more depressed if I was sitting in the house by myself with nothing to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, anyway, like I guess like a double, double-sided double coin. Like it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't type of thing. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been hard struggling to figure. I, I can't, thankfully I have a therapist and that helps. But it's been really hard for me to kind of think I mean, I'm a dreamer by nature. I think most actors and artists are. So we tend to think into the future. Yeah. And this is the first time in my life where I can't think like that because it's scary. So I have to kind of think about the day that I'm in the next day. And, and that's probably it. I, I have to be, I have to really work at being present and not dreaming off into the future because I can't see the future has been altered in a way that I can't quite download yet. So 
yeah, I'm just trying to take it like one day at a time and kind of guard my peace and also treasure this time because like this will never happen again, hopefully, in our lifetime. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I've I've had like nothing but time to process and like think. Um, and I decided to cut my locks like in the beginning of the quarantine. Um and which was good and bad because then I had all the time to like overthink whether that was the move or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but basically like that for me, it was because it was about time. It was about evolution. It was, it was about growth. Um, so it was about like change to grow. Um, and, and I learned I had to allow myself to grieve and then because of that, like I've had a lot of time. And for me right now, it's like been really clarifying for me, like my like sense of like purpose and yeah. what's next. And um, yeah, that like, I believe in art for change. So it's like, as far as I've, I've been to like some marches and stuff, but like really, I really believe in, creating and being a part of work that like that addresses that directly and I feel like it's for me my best way to use my voice versus being like and I respect being in the streets and stuff too I just want to like channel my my energy right you know yeah. um for you working on the Antonio Awards do you see in the future and I know none of us can really we just don't know we don't know when theaters are going to open up um, so, but aside from that, do you have interest in going on the production end yes. more as well? Um, I actually was, it was brought to my attention that National Black Theater has a producing type of fellowship thing, which I had no idea they had. Um, and a friend of mine tagged me in the post like the day before it was due. But because I have nothing to do. I was like, I guess I'll apply for this. You know, what's the harm? So, oh my God, that's, sorry. All good. <laughs> I forgot that this comes on to my computer as well. Um, yeah, I had to block that on my computer because, yeah, distraction. But, um, go ahead. But yeah, sorry about that. So, um, but it's the soul residency. Because that person like that was a little kid face facetiming me as his little cousin was facetiming me anyway um so yes the soul residency i applied and yeah i mean it was a lot of writing to do in a day but i applied i got my little application in and we'll see what happens i mean i again like i'm very new to this um and i just it was a cool process to like apply because I feel like I had to be like really honest with myself. Um, you know, like you're trying to sell yourself in a sense, but then at the same time, it's kind of like, this is an opportunity and whoever gets the opportunity is going to be deserving of the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm at a deficit because I'm not a producer really. I produced one thing and helped, you know, and even before COVID, I was interested in producing, um, I was working on something else with Drew, but because of the pandemic, it couldn't come, couldn't come to pass because it was like a live, you know, live thing. So, um, yeah, but that was, I am interested in doing that. I'm interested in also 
I mean, even at Book of Mormon, I was always asking questions about behind the scenes stuff. I wanted to know how everyone's job worked. You know, like I wanted to know how people made money in the theater also. Cause I was, I remember being there. I mean, I've been there for a few years at this point and I'm like, how much is this bill? How much does it cost to run this building? You know, like who's paying like, what what's the rent yeah what's the rent here how much like and then i i asked i was like so does the show have to pay the bills or is that included you know are are we just paying jujampson for the building and jujampson's paying for the water and the heat and the this or is the show paying the rent on top of these things and how are those deals brokered you know do you get a deal you know is the rent inflated you know is renting the building a part of the reason why the tickets are so expensive? What are the taxes like here? Because I'm assuming like that all the theaters, they're so old at this point. I'm assuming that these things aren't mortgaged. I'm assuming that they own these buildings outright. So because I'm like, if, if that was the case, like no theater could be empty. And there are empty houses, you know, that are just kind of sitting there. So all these questions. So yes, I am interested in doing that. Um, and I'm interested in doing, I mean, I'm interested in writing and doing the Issa Rae and the Lynn Manuel Miranda, where you're like putting your, inserting yourself into the work. I'm definitely have an interest in that, but I have a heavier interest in kind of taking myself out of the equation and backing someone else's vision or work you know, and adding my own creative input to an idea that you already have. But I want to, I think it will be cool to kind of propel someone else forward in a way. So, yeah. I'm very uh, similar in that. Um, And yeah, like I've, I actually wrote one full length play during this time. And I'm part of a theater company also. I always plug this just because it's a (laughs) dope little thing. Um, It's called The Shelter. And basically, they have a regular Sunday night workshop. And it's pretty writer writer slash actor heavy. Um, So it's very much like a development place. And uh, they just celebrated 10 years last year. And they've been going through this. So they did the Lear Project. So I wrote a play for that. And now they're doing another thing where they're taking the traditional Sunday workshop, which is open to anybody. You can bring in like 10 minutes of work and then you get 10 minutes of feedback from the room. Um, So a lot of people, like a lot of playwrights will bring in 10 pages at a time and develop it through there. There've been films that have come out of it. Um, Yeah. So you should definitely come in. I'll I'll bring you into that. Um, Okay. I'd love to have your voice there. Uh, and yeah, and so now they're developing playwrights. Um, so they asked me to be one of those playwrights. And yeah, and I have a very interest, a big interest in not waiting. So kind of in the spirit of the Antonio Awards, I don't care if I'm not recognized by Broadway per se, or like that, those gatekeepers per se, for me as an artist, I want to be recognized by the people that I respect and I want them to be recognized. Um, so doing something like the Antonio Awards is a way to do that. Yeah. And I also um, saw 
the sole residency production thing. I applied for the director thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was also applying the day before for the producing thing. But I decided right now I have enough on my plate. So I did (laughs) not apply. So I'm very much rooting for you to get that. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) It would be so nice to like... Because, you know, in school, they're like, you can't do it. They literally say, like, you can't do it all. I just disagree. I fully disagree. I think that the new wave of artists have proven that you can, in fact, do it all. Like, Issa Rae started as an actor, made a web series, has a show, produces the show, produces other work, writes in her show, acts you know lynn is the same way like he makes all of his work he has collaborators of course but like you have these people of color doing it all mainly because they have to that's another thing i feel like in the school system when they say you can't do it all i feel like you're just talking from a very white privileged perspective you know if if i'm a white playwright you know it's going to be so much easier for me to pitch my perspective of work to a a white producer or a white director. Whereas people of color are coming from a very different place of creating. Mm -hmm. So you take something like Hamilton, for instance, you know, thankfully Lynn did in the Heights, but like he had to build this thing. He had to build the house of, the heights so that he could possibly do Hamilton but Hamilton sounds crazy the idea itself sounds crazy it sounds like something that most producers would pass on yeah because it sounds absolutely insane if you're like yeah all these people you know not white people talking about a white story using hip-hop like what are you fucking talking about but he you know, he, he's writing it, he's making the music and he's producing it and hiring his friends and people he trusts to kind of push this forward. So it's like people of color have to do it all. Mm-hmm. Issa Rae wrote that whole series, you know, Lena Waithe acting, yep. writing, producing and giving, we literally have to be excellent. And I think that we're selling ourselves short if we don't, take on more than what we've bargained for you know like i just ideally i would just want to be an actor i would just want to like tell dope stories have people hire me but i just don't think that that dream can manifest itself in the way that i want it to because there's just not that much available Mm -hmm. so you know and then yeah and then it's also like if there's a frustration in you are right though as far as like i think this is a great time to be an actor a black actor a bipoc actor um Mm -hmm. which i love that new term um but uh like there is so much work happening and a lot of it's happening here in new york um there are a lot of new voices who are yeah i think the thing with it is new voices are making platforms for themselves is Mm -hmm. why so many people are like rising up right now. Um, Yeah. Like Jocelyn Bio. Um, I was talking to Ngozi last night. I'm like, I used to work with Ngozi like at Harlem Tavern. She was an actress, is an Mm -hmm. actress. And it's like, oh, I'm working. I remember her saying like, yeah, I'm working on this, on a play, you know, like, 
and and these people have made it into this other sphere of creativity where they're able to take their acting like they can i just i just love that i love you know fighting against that narrative of like you can't do it all you have to choose it's like actually no actually i don't i shouldn't have to and i can't i can't like you can sit all the roles are available you know you there's everything but for us like thankfully we are in an age where people are writing so many different roles and different types of work that like presses against like western theater you know um but i'm it, it inspires me to say like oh i can add my voice to this like there doesn't just have to be like one black like it's not like one black playwright one type of work it's like i mean you have these two african women who used to be literally this kind of this in the same vein it's like these two highly trained african women writing african stories and they both can coexist mm -hmm. and the voices are different because they're different people and i just find that to be so like overwhelmingly inspiring and that's like a big you were talking about like the year away from acting like kind of made you realize yeah i really want to be an actor and that's what five years away for me realized and has been reaffirming it's like yeah like acting is a part of who i am to the point where it's like basically if i'm not if that's not a part of what i'm doing um then and maybe this will change like it can always you we're mm -hmm. always growing and evolving but like yeah these different things these different ways that i want to express my voice if i'm not using them if i'm not honoring that then i'm not being like fully who i who who i am right and when you have these callings i think it's important to honor them you know we have like a limited time here when I was like, I think there's a, obviously there's like a toxic culture, like within the entertainment industry about like kind of a scarcity mindset. Um, mm -hmm. I think that also like is a big thing that's happened like in our country and why things are so toxic um, with race and with everything else is like, there's this idea that like, there's a limited amount of resources. Um, so for, like some white people right now being confronted with like black lives matter um they feel like they're being encroached upon when really there's enough there's more than enough resources for everybody um and if we had that like abundant mindset we'd all be living in a better place oh for sure i, I feel like that's the problem with white people is this preservation thing it's like they've been trying to preserve whatever it is they're trying to preserve their elitist you know preserve their privilege i guess for years um and they are unwilling to share you know they're just so it's like they're so scared of being other of being us they're so scared of like having to fight of having to defend from a place of non-privilege that they will do whatever they can to preserve like their position at the top which is extremely toxic because it's like you know even like 
I mean, when you look at America and just how it was based off of, I guess, freedom in a sense, but like the, the capitalism behind it and how it literally, the wealth, even though it's played as a like, oh, everyone has a fair shot. It's like, no, you know, the wealth has always been, even for the people who are, the white people who are first settling here, you know, those people came over here with, money in their pocket with privilege um and and how that has just that upper echelon has just kept it's it just it's been gaining momentum ever since and it really doesn't allow for the little guy to get through you have a few outliers who get through Mm -hmm. but you know it just doesn't allow for it doesn't allow for us to share it doesn't allow for the wealth to be spread around like there really is no reason in that this country should have the levels of homelessness that it has. Yeah. That there should be a huge problem with violence in the inner cities. There's literally no reason for it. It's just happening in this way because you're so scared. You're so, they're so scared of us. Uh, my So my wife is from Amsterdam and I've been over there and they got, they have problems over there too. Yes. Like it's, <laughs> it's like, for people who are like, oh, well, you know, you don't like it here. And it's like, yo, there are places where there's not really homelessness, mm-hmm. um, where the arts flourish, like where the quality of life is like good. And like, if you want to work hard, like if you want to work for like a bigger house, you can do that too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't have anything against somebody having a mansion. Fine. Like, you know, I think there's like a point where like it gets like how much do you need like that's a question people need like the jeff bezos thing it's like how you have more money than i couldn't even you don't even know how you can spend your money you can't like we live in new york both me and you can eat at the finest restaurant in new york and it's like at a certain point yeah like there are people that can buy a more expensive bottle of wine but really, like, if you ask most wine people, it's, like, the taste, like, that's in your head, like, after a while. Like, yeah. you can't taste the difference. And it's, like, at a certain point, you can't pay for, like, a million-dollar steak. You can sell somebody a million-dollar steak. Yeah. But it's not actually worth more than a $30 steak, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing, like, I always think, I definitely want money. Like, I think that that's also something that has like grown in me um, that I've been fighting against and something that I don't like to admit. But I do want money because I want to live. I want to be able to, I I don't need to be like a billionaire or anything, Mm -hmm. but I would love to be able to have enough money to like invest by property, live in a dope, live in a home. Like, I don't want to live. I want to like own a brownstone or something, which I don't even think is that abstract of an idea, but like to own like a brownstone, be able to pay that thing off, pass it down. You know, that's what I'm like. I want money to be able to do stuff like that, to be able to like, you know, be in a quarantine and not have to worry about funds like that. Yeah. And, and I don't think that there's anything, cause I feel like black people and women, a lot of times, like when you say that you want money, 
you know, people try and act like it's like this big cardinal sin. Like you shouldn't be doing the work for the money. Like, no, I, I think I should. Like there's a balance here. Like, yeah, not everything I do as an artist is going to be like extremely profitable, but I feel like I am offering a skill or service. And I do think that it is worth a lot. Like Netflix, Hulu, H, all those things show that what we do is worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So like, why shouldn't I want a piece of that pie, you know? Have you uh, paid attention to, I think her name's uh, Michaela, the British, um, she wrote the show Chewing Gum and you heard about mm-hmm. all the, like she's been sharing all of the stuff about the games that go on. And I think this is important for, definitely important for black artists. Um, it's important for artists in general, but <laughs> that's like a thing though in these conversations I'm very grateful for some of the companies that I'm involved with um, that like, like, first of all, National Black Theater, dope company. I'm super grateful for them and what they've been doing for our people since for 50 years. Yeah, not uh, 68. Yep. 68. Um, And so I'm super grateful for, for that. Then some of the other places that I'm a part of in New York have been engaging in these conversations before this mm-hmm. happened. And so then when everything popped off, they weren't scrambling for like what the proper messaging was. They were kind of like making space mm-hmm. um, for black people to like kind of speak if they wanted. They're just like making space and like listening and then sometimes somebody will kind of go, oh, yeah, all of us get exploited. And then it's like, for me, sometimes that's been a thing now. It's like, I don't always want to be the guy talking that has to talk about it. But sometimes, like, when we shift the conversation, it's like, no, right now we're, we are talking about this. So, yes, we yes. all <laughs> – yeah. Yes, we all get exploited, but it's not the same. Like, yeah, we're, most of us are not like, unless you are a multimillionaire or billionaire, you are going to get exploited. Even they get exploited. People sue them all the time. Mm -hmm. Everyone in the world gets exploited. But like, we're not talking about everyone in the world or Mm -hmm. else the conversation will never, it, it will never end, you know, but I, that's always weird to me. I'm like, like as a black woman, it's like, I can sit here and talk about Black Lives Matter and how it refers to specifically Black men. I can actually sit and have a conversation about just Black men. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And the troubles that they face. But for some reason, like, a lot of times, and I'm using, bless you, and I'm using Black men as my white people right now. <laughs> like, as my white people think. So, like, I can sit and have a conversation about, like, Black men, Black men, this, 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 prison, police, you know, job opportunities, ga ga ga. And if I want to talk about black women, it, it's like, but black men, I'm like, no, but right now we're talking about right. black. Right. You know right. what I mean? And how hard it is for people to release their, it's like, for me, I used to have issues with like, you know, talking about colorism. Like, mm-hmm. well, as a like, like, we're not talking about you though. Like I'm, I'm a very light skinned woman, you know? Mm-hmm. I had to humble myself, listen, and be like, okay, not everything's about you, sis. Like, Mm -hmm. we're now talking about something where you have privilege 
And it's your job to listen, to observe, to absorb, to understand where you fall short in this, and then to be an ally and an advocate for these, you know, for people who don't look like you. So yeah, it's just like, that's been my trouble with, I guess, balancing privilege just in general with the situation. I'm just like, yeah. And that's been, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I feel like when you, like, when you change your mindset, like, the world changes. But, like, I don't, so I don't know if this is, because I really feel like, yeah, like, last year in New York was, like, a special year. I feel like, like, there have been a lot more voices, like, on TV. You were talking about the Issa Rays. I feel like there have been a lot of things happening. So when this quarantine happened, like, you did the Antonio Awards, uh, Broadway Black, off book. Oh, by the way, I was listening to, uh, I was catching up on some of the old episodes of off book. And so you're going to be one of the new hosts, right? Yeah. Or at least that's how it was before quarantine. Right. I think we're trying to work out the kinks with that and how that's going to work. But yes, I was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so what's going on with that right now? I totally like changed what I was <laughs> <laughs> oh um I don't well right now I think we're just trying to figure it out because it's like everyone's just so displaced and we were like you know all in a room together doing the podcast so I think it's a thing of like working out how many you know if the format still works for quarantine um and also basing it off of people's schedules and that type of thing but like I, I do like the podcast thing. Like even for my own Instagram, people are like, you should start a podcast. I'm like, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if I've entertained it, but I'm like, I'm not a, not to say I'm not a creator. I do create, but I, I can't just like create without purpose. You know what I mean? Like I can't just start like the Kim Exum podcast. And I just like run my mouth about whatever I want to run my mouth about, you know, and then have to kind of, Hey there. <laughs> um, say hi. Hi. Um, but yeah, hopefully it it comes back and we're able to like you know develop something that's because at this point I feel like when this first when the oh, wow. quarantine first started I don't think anyone projected the longevity of it. Mm. I think we were looking at September max. Now we're looking at next year. Oh yeah. So. Now I think we just have to like draw, go back to the drawing board and see what type of format for a pot, like what will work for the audience of the audience that already exists of, of off book, a new audience that could come in based off of like the Antonio's and based off of just like quarantine, like people really don't have nothing to do. So, <laughs> you know, but. Mommy, I'm Moana. You're Moana. <laughs> but yeah I why don't you uh introduce your younger there oh this Mommy, is this is ezra say hi 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 ezra. how old are you how old are you she gets how old are you and how are you confused ah so so how old are you i don't know you're two <laughs> and how are you you're good or you're bad there's more feelings than that but you know are you good yeah hey, <laughs> yeah so yeah it's nice to meet uh, you ezra you me? 
<laughs> she is cute, I will say. Even though she's mm-hmm. mine, but she's pretty cute. Yeah, she she's is. a ham. So that's actually um me and my wife weren't like I have two I have two little dogs. They're my little like see, there we go. They're they're talking. Um but we weren't necessarily gonna have kids now we're having that conversation a little bit um so how do you do it how do you uh yeah how do you 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 just figure it out i guess is what everybody says but yeah you figure it out and um no you figure out so and and also anybody listening i'm not saying that we are we're not necessarily it's just a conversation yes (laughs) Um, can, can you be quiet for like five seconds? No. Oh God, rude. So, um, yeah, you figure it out. It's really scary at first, especially if you don't. So, like for me, like I don't have a husband, and Ezzy was not planned. Um, her father is heavily involved in her life. You know, they have a a great relationship, and I'm really appreciative of that type of of having. You know. She has two parents. I just mm-hmm. want to, I guess, make that clear to everyone. She has two parents. Mm-hmm. But um, as an artist, um, it's hard because you're working. For, having a child in general is hard. But when you're an artist, you're kind of having a child in a different way. So like everyone else has a job that they work in the daytime. And they put their kids in daycare. Okay, but that's not how it works for us. You know, we're auditioning during the day. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not maybe earning as much money as regular people or our money is inconsistent or our job is at night. Um, so it's kind of, for me, I follow like my own playbook with certain things. Um, I kind of do what's best. Okay. I do have to do kind of like what's best for me, what's best for us. Um, and yeah, like also listening to my mom, um, listening to your parents, people who you trust, um, having a network of, um, having a network of, um, other parents, um, even if they're not artists, but just other parents your age, um, different types of parents too. So like most of my friends who have kids are married, but they go through the exact same struggles that I go through. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, it's hard, but it, it's also one of the most, oh, sorry, Mr. Make just growled. Um, <laughs> it's just a lovely, it's the best thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is hard. It's hard trying to get someone to eat when they don't want to or sleep. That's the sleeping, you know, when I require sleep and she's like, absolutely not. Um, or go into the, go to the bathroom, you know, in the potty, something that I don't remember learning how to do. It's hard to teach somebody something that you know how to do, but you know what I'm saying? So, mm. but yes, it's wonderful. It's, um, it's awesome to have a legacy in that sense like she's a walking 
she's a walking testament to my resilience as a human being. Like I've made it this far and I've made it to the point where God, the universe, whatever, you know, you believe has allowed me to usher in this life and to lead another person. Um, and I have to feel, even though I'm not always confident that I'm equipped, I have to trust that I am equipped. And it also requires you to be very authentic. Like when you first start, you have all these envisionments of like, you know, you want to rectify the wrong that was done to you as a child. You want to do things different and you want to do things the same and you want to be this perfect parent. And then you immediately realize that there's no such thing. You immediately realize that the child will be in therapy. <laughs> like, <laughs> They will. You could do, they just will because they're human beings. They're going to absorb things in a different way than you would absorb them. But you just have to be, I, I feel like I have to be myself. Like she doesn't let me pretend to be someone else. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the most important parenting tool. <laughs> nice. Sorry, that was long. I'm so long winded. No, it's all good. That's, that's <laughs> the thing. That's the, that's the move. Um, yeah, therapy, I think is something I had at times growing up, uh, something that I would love to explore again in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, just taking care of that mental health, you know? Mm-hmm. And how it's just kind of unavoidable, like for the longest, I just started therapy maybe like a year or so ago. Um, and for years I was so scared. Like I thought that having therapy was an admittance of like, I'm fucked up and it, it's partially that, but it's not, it's, you don't have to go to therapy because something is wrong or ailing you. Um, you can just go to get to know yourself more and get to know the people around you more, be able to observe. Like a big thing for me was like, it's not all about you. Like, you know, in your mind, you're starring in the movie, but everyone else is starring in their own movie too. So everyone's choices, even though it might feel like an attack, it's really based upon them being the star in their film and you being the star, like, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, something I was getting at before. It's like shifting of the mind. Um, there've been times as an actor where, or an artist where you're looking at opportunities and it feels like there's like a limited amount. And if you have, if you look at it that way, then you're in competition with everybody else, mm -hmm. like you against the world, which isn't very fun. Um, it's not a good place to be. And for me, like, I don't know how it shifted exactly. And it's not that I was always like that cold, but like, <laughs> Basically, kind of like what you're talking about with like the soul residency. I really believe like whoever gets the part, whoever gets the opportunity, um, good. And mm -hmm. it's like, if I realize it's not just my movie, it's like our movie, then I can cast everybody else as like, we're, we're on the same team. And mm -hmm. then... Yeah, it's a lot of fun going and seeing other people's work and celebrating them. Because, um, like, cro paths cross in just crazy ways. Like, yeah. And you realize, like, especially as an actor in New York, if 
you've been here for a minute. Like we've both been here for a while at this point. Mm-hmm. Like we're not we're not going anywhere. Yeah. So <laughs> in that sense, like we've made it to a certain point where like this is our life now. Like New York theater, New York arts interacting with these different this is our life there is no threat of like oh my god am i gonna make it because in a sense we already have like you we've established our lives here this is what we're doing this is our life you know so there doesn't need to be this sense of like competition Mm -hmm. you know with other people because like what are we we've you know like we've already made it essentially to me because if we were gonna leave if it was really about the competition we would have left a long time ago because we're not at the top. Right. You know, yeah, like, yeah. why would you stay? Like, if your goal was to be at the top of the food chain, why would you stay in New York past, like, three years? And it's also humbling, like, lately, like, in the quarantine, I've been, like I said, writing. I've been trying to, like, like, there's only, it's a different way of honing than what you could do, like, with other people in the same room. Because I really mm-hmm. do believe, like, acting, it's all about the other people. So there's there's that. But, yeah, like, it's, like, also knowing it's, like, it's not about... That's, like, was a great thing about the Antonio Awards also. It's, like, everybody who was awarded was gracious. Because it's, like, it's, it's, not a, it's also not a competition. You know what I mean? To be nominated, that's an award. Like, to get cast in something, that's an award. Like, every step of it, like, is rewarding. And it's an honor to be a part of it. Um, And I got to let you know, like, I've been watching a lot of the art that's been created during this time. And I think that was one of the dopest ones, actually, like, that. Like Thank it you. really came together well. Like it's hard figuring out how to do theater or that kind of work on Zoom um, mm-hmm. and remotely. Yeah, that production was dope. So, do you think um, maybe there will be anything else like that, like another production during this time? Um, I think, I think that it's definitely possible. Um, for, I mean, because that team of people, I will say like, we work together really well. Um, there was so, it, it was the best part of it was just that like, there was so, there were so many ideas flowing and so many people with different areas of expertise. Um, so I would say, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we did something else, considering how long we're going to be yes. in house. Um, and I think that would be exciting. So, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I would be totally open to that. I'm sure they would, too. Like, you know, thank you. We all just worked really well together. And, like, everyone kind of had their lane and also swerved into the other lane if they were needed. It was a very... Um, It was, I don't know. I guess it's like the perfect, the perfect storm of people. Like if you're creating something, you know, you would want people to be able to like fill in the gaps, to come up with their own things. There wasn't really any like micromanagement happening Mm -hmm. also. So yeah, I mean, I'd be open to it. 
Yeah. Well, then I, I'm formally requesting more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd all never die. I want to say, like, just to, like, <laughs> amp us up some more. Mm. Like, none of us have ever done anything like this. Like, none of us have any award show experience. None of us. We. It was just from scratch. Like. That's how it is, though. You know, it's like nobody's. Yeah acted before they acted nobody wrote a play before they wrote a play yeah nobody was on broadway before they were on Broadway. like it's like um that's what it is you know and necessity is the mother of invention um but i think that kind of thing and knowing that i you know yeah like mourning what i thought 2020 was gonna be like everybody else but on the other hand with everything happening right now, with the conversations happening right now, I truly am hopeful. Um, so it's like when I reach out to you, it's like to honor, uplift you, um, also check in with you, make sure you're doing okay, make sure my community's doing okay. Um, but yeah, but like, just so you know, like I'm really hopeful, you know? And, and yeah, celebrating what you put out there, like that's part of what's giving me hope for now and i'm excited i'm not going anywhere like i'm excited and i'm ready and i'm gonna stay ready um but i'm also i think it's important and i want to encourage you and everybody like we can't wait right now either you know you lose me for a second yeah i lost you for a second like got you so yeah so thank you. Thank you for having me. Like I it's it's cool to like, you know, reconnect with people and also to like you know, like you said about 2020, like I don't know what I thought it would be. I mean, I guess I thought that it would be the same. Like I re-signed my contract to do Book of Mormon for another year, you know? And that was it. Essentially, like I was gonna go to work do my auditions like live my normal life try to get my finances in order um (laughs) things like that but Mm -hmm. like but it has been cool to kind of like look at the top of this year and what I thought it was gonna be and it's totally not that and that you know it does require some mourning but it's also really cool like if the quarantine never would have happened I would have never done the Antonios yeah it's really awesome that the Antonios exist you know and then the thing like with like so one i think you'd be dope like if you get the soul producing residency like that would be dope and like you said whoever gets it it's gonna be cool like it's gonna be dope no matter what but it's also like everything else whether you get it or not um like you're going to get that opportunity and more you know somehow yeah. like it doesn't like it's it's coming you know what i mean yeah yeah definitely cuz i'm like the fact that i like had the balls to apply for this thing like i would have never done that before like i would have been like i don't have enough credits i don't have enough this you know i just but it's like you know why not like mm-hmm. it's kind of like why not this time has definitely been a very much like why not like maybe i'll apply to like yale drama i mean i'm not doing that because i don't want to like I'm I'm thinking Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about I'm thinking about 
all of those things for next year. I have no idea. I have no idea. It's like, it's, it's definitely a wild, it's definitely like a wild card. It's like you could do whatever. It's kind of like you could literally do whatever you want at this point. There is no path. Like there's nothing. Also, I don't have a Broadway contract right now. So it's a little bit different. <laughs> and I mean, I know. Yeah. I mean, I know. So have they been in communication? Like that's a, what's the conversation right now? Like as far as, and I know what you can talk about, what you can't or whatever, but just, I know not like, cause like probably some shows like aren't going to keep running, especially the ones that were new. Yeah. Weren't necessarily hits, but like, yeah. So. I mean, so we are an older show. As yeah. Everyone knows. So we don't talk that often as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we talk like we have our own chats, but as far as right. like all of us hopping onto a zoom and talking with our producers and creatives, like that's not really happening. Like it is with newer shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't know if that's necessarily desired, like, because we are so far removed from the creative process. Right. Um, you know, that's just, I don't know. That's just the reality of our show. Like I would be surprised to know if like Lion King is meeting every week on zoom. Like I highly doubt it. Um, or wicked, but maybe they are, who knows? Um, we were contacted by our producers, like in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, the racial movement that's happening in Broadway. Um, and we're asked to, you know, email them back. And a lot of us did it to my knowledge, but I did mm. um, because I felt like, you know, when in the world will I ever be able to communicate with Scott Rudin about something as important as this? So Uh we had um, a bit of a dialogue and I think that it was positive. Um, I think that I feel, I feel like I was heard. Um, I'm also supposed to be, my other producer wanted to talk, have a conversation on the phone. So I'm trying to organize that. Um, but as far as like, you know, being black in the cast, I know we had a whole meeting, like Uganda, we call us Uganda, old Uganda, like OG. I didn't, I didn't even realize, like I'm limited. I know what I know in musical theater. And then there's like a uh-huh. lot of blind spots. Like I'm not a musical theater guy, yeah. even though I've done musicals, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I didn't even know there were black people in Book of Mormon <laughs> or I, like there's there's black people in the show right like not yeah. like i thought like there was like one because i'd hear like people getting cast here and there but then finding out uh what's his name from half- atlanta was yeah, brian tyree henry was the original the whole half of the cast is black yeah and, see, I had, is and but this is my first time here. <laughs> no like you wouldn't know that unless you like saw it or listened to the soundtrack or something like that but like it's also how they market the show like they don't want you to know what the show really is what you're about to see mm-hmm. um it's kind of a, the surprise of it which is why it's marketed with just like that picture of andrew randall's kind of jumping with the book of mormon you don't even see his face the show markets the show is like their thing kind of like hamilton does the same thing like you know, if you've never seen Hamilton, never listened to the soundtrack, just looking at it, like, it's encouraging you to come see what it's about. It's not like, come see Lynn starring in Hamilton. Like, it's about the show. Um, but yeah, there's like a whole sector of Black people. And we received some backlash when that Griffin Matthews video came out. Um, 
and he said the Book of Mormon is racist. I think that it just alluded to an idea that the Black people in the Book of Mormon didn't do their job. I think that that is what it alluded to for a lot of other Black people who might not have seen the show or known, you know, and um, so there was a conversation that was had about that. Um, I very much respect those people who laid the groundwork for us. I think they did do their job. Mm -hmm. But what we've discovered, and this is like what happens in a lot of long running shows, is that a lot of ideas have been kind of diluted throughout the process. A lot of ideas that were had in the beginning, a lot of intention might not have been accurately passed down with uh, creatives and, you know, and also just having the conversation of like, the world is a different place now. You know, how does our show fit into this new landscape? I mean, yeah, like Ham Hamilton's having that conversation too. And yeah. I've been telling people in like, like more where there's more white people like because we're having these conversations and they're kind of like oh there's this backlash to hamilton and i'm like listen i'm very grateful that shows like hamilton are on broadway where there are a lot of black and brown people represented and in lead roles however you do have to like just so you know we've been having these conversations secretly like you know yeah. what I mean? Because it's like we like uh, it's been secret because we like I don't want to see our people not represented. Mm -hmm. um, however, yeah, like going forward, I want to see more of us representing our stories, I guess, is like the next thing. Yeah. I mean, so. I've I definitely have had conversations because I love Hamilton and I stand for it but i do realize all the issues that are within it mm -hmm. i do think that it's an artist conversation though i yeah i've had the conversation with people who are non-artists and um i think that that's fine because i think that people who are non-artists are consumers of what we do and their their opinion is important mm -hmm. but when we're talking about the existence of something i don't believe in art policing i just right. simply don't and if it already exists it's going to continue to exist even if it's on broadway or not the body of work exists mm -hmm. um just like book of mormon you know like it exists period it exists people enjoyed it i don't think people should be shamed for enjoying it i think that we can acknowledge its problems we can acknowledge it's we can acknowledge like hamilton has a huge issue when it comes to like just the story it's telling it has mm -hmm. a huge issue when it comes to like the erasure of slavery. Mm -hmm. um, it has an it has an issue in the fact that like no one really knows what Lynn is doing except for Lynn and the people in that show, and that's just the mystery of every show you see. That's the mystery of every piece of art you consume. Like you don't really know what that artist is doing. Sometimes the artists don't even know. Like they like slave play. I have a huge problem with slave play. I don't it's not my thing it's not for me even if the author says that it is for people of color it's not for people of color like me i don't align myself with whiteness in that in an intimate way that because it's exploring interracial relationships um and as a black woman i felt like there was an abuse of my body being mm -hmm. used to drive home a point of you know of racism and privilege to white people and i just didn't appreciate that i didn't think it was necessary but do i think it should exist sure 
it exists. It exists and it's leading a conversation, whether that conversation be me saying I didn't appreciate, I was very viscerally affected by his actions and I felt they were irresponsible, but someone else isn't going to think that. So I feel like, you know, I don't want us to get to a place where we're like, especially censoring voices of color. Mm-hmm. You know, like I read a thing that was like Lynn, somebody said that Lynn is a white Puerto Rican Mommy. man. And I don't think Mommy, he got, okay, I'll get you something to eat in a second. Um, I don't think that Lynn identifies Mommy, that way. Right. And, you know, no matter how it's perceived, that's like somebody saying that like, I'm a, you know, because right. I'm like, and you know what I'm saying? So I don't believe that we, his voice necessarily should be policed, but I do think that he should be held accountable. Mm-hmm. So there's like a difference there, you know, like hold people accountable, hold Book of Mormon accountable, hold Hamilton accountable, hold everyone accountable. I hold Jeremy O'Harris accountable of the image that he put out there, but I'm not going to say he has no right to, this has no right to. Mommy, I'm in the bus report. Okay. (laughs) But yeah. Cool. Uh, well, thank you for talking with me today. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we? I don't think so. I think we hit a we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, for sure. I think so. <laughs> um, well, yes, I'm rooting rooting for you for the sole producing residency. Um, do you know when when they're supposed to make those decisions? I think August, but it said something about like if you're like a final round you'll be contacted so who knows but mm-hmm. you know for me i'm like i already i applied so i already won yeah um <laughs> and just they also have more than one residency um so you know there's okay. like a directing one um i actually applied for the directing one last year um and it was kind of like a last minute thing mm-hmm. and so part of the reason i didn't apply for the producing one this year i was like day before i'm like yeah this is last minute and i was like i kind of used my last minute card <laughs> last year yeah so i was like i can't i gotta come correct and like plan next time but mm-hmm. they have different residencies which are all dope you know as far as like being creatives and yeah like i, I definitely feel like this has highlighted because i knew about the national black theater and the billy holiday theater and the new federal theater i knew about all these things but because like you know we're existing or i'm existing like a lot of my peers in this like really white centric idea of success and and goals you know like all of you know my wildest dreams are encompassed in this sphere of like white acceptable art you know um broadway or movies or whatever and that's not you know it's not to say that that's a fault because that's literally like i said earlier like i want some money and that's how Mm -hmm. you get the white people got the money you know but um when i and that's a a thing also with jeremy and uh lynn like while the criticize while the criticisms are fair i have to respect and it doesn't mean that i Cause I don't know, like if I create things, if I want it, like if I want to cater it to Broadway, like for me, my Broadway is the public theater. Same. Um, yeah. Same. <laughs> um, and then if it goes, if it were to go on to, to Broadway, cool. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, like for me, I want to do, I, I, you know, it's aspirations and whatever, but it's like, I want to create passing strange at the public. I want to create Hamilton at the pub, like that kind of thing. Um, and, and yeah, but there's something about Lynn cause like the year I moved here, Passing Strange was on Broadway and In the Heights was on Broadway. And mm-hmm. Passing Strange was the one like to my heart. And I yeah. saw In the Heights and I was kind of like, I like that it's here, but I don't know if it's speaking to me the same way. Yeah. That said, what like because he did that and what he does, he's he knows how to make a show featuring black and brown people that's successful on Broadway. And so does Jeremy O'Harris. And we need people doing that oh for sure you know to open those doors and we do need people of color addressing and i just kind of came to that conclusion because in my mind i feel like people of color should speak to people of color period yeah you know like if for me you know if but that's me if Mm -hmm. i am creating work i am personally going to be creating work for black women period Mm -hmm. that's just me but not every artist of color because we're not a monolith and I always say this, but there's a lot of things in my mind. I think I was holding other artists accountable to that. I shouldn't have to, you know, like Jeremy O'Harris, even though he's saying he's making the work for my demographic, I don't accept that, but he, that's what he's saying. But I think that voices like him, if he's going to be teaching white people or leading white people into this weird promised land of wokeness or whatever, then that's his prerogative. If Lynn wants to make Hamilton again, like that's his prerogative and hold people accountable. Sure. Hold them accountable. But you know, I can criticize the work for all of its bad things. And I can also criticize the work for all of its good things mm-hmm. or not, well, not criticize it, but you know, I can acknowledge both yeah. I can enjoy, you know, but but yeah, like I I mean, that's sort of I think every politician like they chose to run represent us. So every politician deserves um and should be held accountable, should be scrutinized. You chose to run for the people, so you are accountable to the people. And that includes Barack Obama, who <laughs> hands down was the best president in my lifetime. But that doesn't mean I give him a pass for like everything. That doesn't mean that I don't think he could have done better in some ways. And I can acknowledge, I don't know what it's like to be pre- like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's the first black president and he um, faced obviously more racism than any pre- more obstruction, just more disrespect. And I will argue anybody though, that he carried like the office of the president, like how you're supposed to act like presidential. Mm-hmm. That's Barack Obama. Like, I don't think there's any, ever been anybody more Prototype. presidential. Yeah. So. But artists uh, should be held accountable just like politicians. Yeah. Anyone who's forcing themselves, anyone who was forcing themselves into the public eye, you have, you should scrutinize them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that also is a weird thing that we have with like, love in general you know like i can say that like i love my father but i have a list of loves and i have a list of critiques of things that he could do better you Mm -hmm. know and i think that people get that misconstrued like you know when you say you love somebody it doesn't mean that you stop critiquing them it doesn't mean that you stop it's it means that you hold them accountable more 
you know, like, because I do love Hamilton so much, I'm kind of forced to hold it. I'm forced to look at all the things that I might have missed or different ways that other people who aren't me criticize it because it's like he forced this narrative out there. Mm-hmm. So we have to scrutinize it. We have to dissect it. We have to, because that's what makes us better. That's what makes the next Lynn better, you know? But um, yeah, like I, I yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Like you have to, we have to kind of force ourselves to look at the whole picture. And I also think of with other artists of color and black people in general, we do hold like, if someone's black, we protect them. Mm-hmm. And that's just what we do. Yeah. And I don't, that's not a wrong thing. That's not bad. That's not bad. But I do think that we're moving into the next level. Like that episode, did you watch Black as Fuck? Black yes. AF, whatever. Yes, yes, yes. That, that episode where he's like, it was bad. You know, why can't <laughs> yeah. we just, I think we're moving into that. It's, and then uh, you were talking about Issa earlier and I was thinking about, I was having a conversation with uh, one of my friends and he was talking about, he's like me being on stage is revolutionary period. And I was like, yeah, but I think we're moving. Like, we need to, like, to me, I'm sitting here questioning, like, if I'm writing a play, the play that I just wrote is kind of sci-fi. It's mm-hmm. it's about identity. It's like a parallel universe and all this stuff. And it, like, there's racial elements to it. But I'm like, am I, I'm like, just questioning. Am I avoiding some discussions? And then it's like, as, like, a Black playwright do I always have to write about like, it's going to be informed by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in this time, in this moment, just questioning what I'm doing, like, is it enough? And I think it's a good question to have, you know, mm-hmm. while we critique others, we got to be accountable well, to ourselves. Yeah. I mean, cause I used to think that like just me being here is revolutionary and it is in a sense, but we're transcending that now mm-hmm. you know we are there are so many black voices that are amplified that are not just sitting there you know like that are not just sitting there they're talking they're speaking up they're risking things they're putting things on the table they're proposing hard questions they're making i don't know i just I, yeah i'm like i feel like maybe when you first walk into theater school and you're like one of three black people that yeah your participation your presence is revolutionary sure right but once you move past that you know and really start getting into the work and getting into like the type of impact you could possibly have it does become more and i think that it becomes more weighted as you age and grow um you know even like when i look at my journey with book of mormon what i feel about the show then versus what i feel about it now is totally informed by like my personal my growth as a person as an artist you know as a it's just always ever evolving so i think that our like our revolution our protest will evolve it has to you know Mm -hmm. um there has to be a point where we're like yeah you being there was cute and everything but you could have done you know but yeah Mm -hmm. well um 
I could talk to you forever, um, but I will I will not keep you uh, any longer. But thank you for sitting here. Okay. <laughs> and it's nice to meet you, Ezra. Be nice to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you too. Um, but yeah, thank you for sitting down. Um, I'm glad we got to talk. Me too. This is dope. Keep me posted on things. Mommy, I, um, I look forward to seeing, seeing what's happening, you know? Awesome. I'll let you know if I get that residency. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> or, or, yes, I'll let you know if, if, I don't know. I feel like I'm not going to, but whatever. It's fine. But keep <laughs> me posted on the next thing also, because you heard my request. Um, and if you need my help in any way, I'm here to be of service. So. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. All so. right. I will see you. Enjoy the day. You too. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 So that was my conversation with Kim Exum with a cameo by Ezra, her daughter, at the end there. Super adorable. Uh, Check out the links in the show notes uh, to Kim's Instagram. um, Also to the Antonio Awards. And yeah, be sure to follow her, follow what she's up to. Um, she's dope. And thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. If you are enjoying the podcast or if you have any constructive notes or feedback, uh, please subscribe, rate, review, or share your constructive feedback with me. Um, if you if you want to super support, you can uh, join the uh, Patreon that I'm starting. Um but really, thank you very much for for listening to the podcast, for supporting. I appreciate your ears and would love to uh, stay in touch and know what you're up to and hopefully highlight something that you're up to or something that I need to be highlighting that you know about. So please share with me um, and also, you know, build up your community. Thank you very much for listening. This is the Bushwick Variety Show. Peace. Peace.